We're looking at crops, potatoes and pigs this week. Does DEFRA's commitment to reform the supply chain deliver? The challenge was that contracts were not adhered to. Despite some producers having contracts, they were not supported. And so we feel that this really needs to be addressed in order to avoid any of the last episodes over the last couple of years happening again. We'll see how the markets are doing, get the week's prices, agronomy advice and look ahead to the Great British Beef Week. Really, it's encouraging people to eat naturally delicious British beef. Plus, of course, the weather for the week to come. The Week in Agriculture. This is The Farming Programme with Steve Orchard. Hello, what a week of weather. Wellies, hail helmets, sun hats all on show this week, sometimes all at the same time. Sean Sparling's been out in the fields and he'll be here shortly with the crop report. But first, let's catch up with our potato man, Colin Jackson of PJP Potatoes. Morning, Colin. Changing times for the potato market. Yeah, yeah, morning, Steve. The market for quite a long time towards Christmas and, uh, and into the earlier part of this year had been quite stagnant, really. Sales had been okay, but no uh, no great shakes anywhere. And it looked a little bit like we were going forward for a season of the supply and demand being in a reasonable balance. There was quite a lot of crop, particularly in Yorkshire, unirrigated crop that would have traditionally gone for the, the crisping market, which was low in yield because of the dry summer that we had. And uh, that had more of an effect than some people thought it might. So we're now seeing the market, particularly for frying gear, becoming quite short. So um, prices have gone up for you know varieties like Marquis, Maris Piper, varieties like that, Agria that are specifically for frying have gone up quite dramatically in fact prices well into the 300s for most you know and, and also into the 400s for uh, for the very best quality uh, frying gear that particularly where it's got no handwork required with it because of the dry summer quite a lot of the uh, stocks that are out there have got a bit of underskin bruising so that's certainly something that's being looked for if it's clean a uh, clean peel under the skin and the retail side of things, is that similar as prices seem yes. to be going up again? That's right. That's right. I mean, prices certainly have increased, not quite to the extent that they have on the frying market, um, because there's, there's a lot more contracted work going on with the retail sector. So a lot of things are all sort of booked in, but there is obviously still an amount of free buy as well. And the free buy for retail is also being looked for. So uh, prices have certainly improved on that as well. And also prices for next season's crop have improved. The contracts for, for next season are quite a bit better than they were for last, for obvious reasons. I mean, they have to be. Growing costs have uh, have gone up quite dramatically. We, we all know about the fertiliser costs and what have you. That has led to more confidence to grow potatoes for this next season. But uh, there does look like there will be quite a substantial reduction in planting for this next season. Also, obviously, plantings now are, uh, are very sporadic in between the uh, the rain that we're getting. So, uh, so planting season itself is getting behind itself. And if less crop goes in the ground... Um, we could be on the um, the back foot or the front foot, whichever way you look at it for this next season. But certainly, um, you know, we could be a little bit on the shorter side. Sort of this time last year, a lot of people were actually mopped up. You know, they'd got everything planted. Some people haven't got a spud in the ground yet. So, um, you know, it, it will potentially make quite a difference. All right, Colin. Thank you very much once again. OK, thank you. Cheers, Lee. 
DEFRA has this week published its commitment to reform and repair the pork supply chain. Does it deliver? National Pig Association Chief Policy Advisor Rebecca Veal, why and how is the chain broken? So over the last couple of years, industry has faced unprecedented challenge with EU exit when we faced COVID and the price rises um, in terms of input costs following the um, war between Russia and Ukraine. And the the pressures in processing meant that we ended up with quite a large backlog on farm over the last few years. And the challenge was that contracts were not adhered to. Despite some producers having contracts, they were not supported. And so we feel that this really needs to be addressed in order to avoid any of the last episodes over the last couple of years happening again. And what's DEFRA actually proposing then? They have acknowledged that there needs to be a shift and a change in contractual practice. And they are willing to work with industry going forward to work out exactly what that looks like. So we are incredibly pleased that they have really listened and then actioned what we feel will support the industry going forward. We're talking about supply chain problems, particularly, and if you'll pardon the pun, does their response deliver? It does. And as far as the Agriculture Act can go, they have talked about data and ensuring there is better data available in order for things like forecasting to be better ha- to happen. And um, the other asks that fall out of that sit within the wider supply chain. So it has to be addressed as a whole. And we always said that. Uh, but this goes up to the retail end and the commitments that they make in terms of what cuts that they take from the carcass um, need to be improved. There's two retailers that take the whole carcass, which is great because then you you provide that balance. Um, but for other retailers, they'll only take certain parts. And then the processor has to balance that. So the risk is disproportionate. Now, we've seen prices go up. Are pig producers still financially hurting despite the increase in prices? Yeah, so um, it's estimated that the sector, and this is producer level, lost about £750 million over the last two years, which is a significant sum. And that deficit you know, is going to have to be found from somewhere at some point. Um, it's going to take a long time for producers to recover. Um, and they, they, you know, they're still not making a huge amount of money. And, and as a result of all of that, um, we have lost 25% of our pig herd in the last two years, um, which is about 80,000 sows. So, you know, that's quite a considerable chunk of our domestic production that has gone. And what's the next step then? So in the next week, we're having a catch up with DEFRA and we'll start to explore what that looks like. But I feel, you know, people might reflect on the way in which the dairy sector has has moved forward because, you know, we're, we're kind of on their coattails, if you like. And there's definitely things that they've explored that we'll kind of gain time on. So I don't feel it'll be as long, but be assured as MPA, we'll be pushing that this is um, delivered as soon as possible. Steps in the right direction. Absolutely. All right, Rebecca. MPA Chief Policy Advisor, Rebecca Veal, thank you for joining us again on the farming programme. Lovely to be with you. Thank you. A busy, busy time in the fields and the unsettled weather doesn't help. Here's our crop doctor, Sean Sparling. Morning, Sean. Yes, good morning, Steve. An awful lot to fit in today, so let's crack on. Weather, weather and more weather for me this week. Hail, snow, rain, fog, wind... 27 millimetres of rain for me in the last seven days and it just seemed to have done nothing but rain since the end of a very dry February all those months ago. But 
at last it does seem the warmer drier stuff is finally here i saw my first swallow on wednesday afternoon so it's taken a couple of days for that to register with the weather gods but you know it does look like the warmer spring like weather should be with us this week i told you it'd all be better once the swallows came home we won't have to wet the dust down for them so they can actually build the nest this year last year of course just the opposite you couldn't find puddles anywhere another year has brought its own problems with it so let's start with the stuff we've already got in the ground winter wheat and winter barleys i've got some fields of champion sake dorsum incitor all now pushing out leaf three on that lead tiller let alone the main stem fertile soils probably responsible for that along with the drilling date but as i keep saying to you it is all about growth stage it's not about calendar day so if it's there you need to be on and i know it's only mid-april forget about that cut the plants open and have a good look inside and i reckon my t1 campaign will most definitely start later this week plenty of yellow rust in the dirtier varieties out there like zayat incitor gleam kerin if you still have any and of course skyfall which is still widely grown as a milling wheat much worse of course where the t0s either been missed or scrapped in these varieties but strobs tebuconazole metconazole all very good for yellow rust control or bad for it depending on how you look at it so while yellow rust is an issue and an annoyance the cool wet conditions prevailing have been perfect for the spread and development of yellow rust the main issue at T1 is, of course, this year as any other, Septoria triticae. If you get it wrong with Septoria triticae, 50% of your yield could be gone from the triticae alone. We've not only had perfect conditions for yellow rust then, it's been pretty much a perfect storm, if you pardon the pun, for Septoria triticae too. There aren't many wheat varieties that are truly resistant to Septoria. There are some good scores, obviously, on the Niab list. KWS Xtase, 7.8. Typhoon and Cranium, 7.3. The aforementioned Champion, 8.1. And, of course, Theodore at 9.1, if you could get hold of any. But as with all of those resistance ratings, there are associated caveats that come with them. The weather brings all its own caveats and complications. Wet weather, of course, especially in April, May and June. Windy weather won't help it, or it will help it, won't help Help us. mild winters so that's a tick a tick and another tick so far add to that so many of the mainstream varieties with disease ratings for septoria triticae between five and six and a half not brilliant saki 5.4 skyscraper 4.9 skyfall 5.4 gleam 5.7 dorsum 6.4 and the potential therefore for issues with septoria is huge and if you also think back to last autumn a lot of the winter wheat was drilled much earlier than the black grass emerged on some heavy land in near perfect drilling conditions from the middle of september to the end of september and the very early part of october an awful lot of wheat went in and we know that that will decrease the rating for septoria for example work done by the ahdb shows very clearly that you can reduce that septoria rating by about 0.6 for varieties of wheat which are drilled mid to late September. So timing therefore of the T1 is going to be crucial as ever, but even more so this spring. SDHIs at robust doses, along with triazoles at robust doses, multi-site inhibitors, all need to be in there together to keep these canopies clean from here on in. And if you do go earlier than usual because yours is starting to shift, then think about the fact that you're going to have about 25 days to be the optimum interval between the T1 and the T2, the flag leaf ligule just visible. And if things come wet and windy again, as they may well do, then that T1 and that T2 choice is going to be absolutely vital. No pressure then. All I'm saying is it is coming, so be prepared. Philicron in charge now. It's all about temperature, and with temperatures set to increase this week, well, you know, 
know what I'm saying. If you plan by calendar date, you could find that some of these wheats are a fortnight wrong either way. Deep joy. Winter barley shifting now too. Watch the growth stage though for certain Clormaquat PGRs and Trinexpac PGRs. Latest application times of growth stage 30 on some of the 750 gram Clormaquat formulations. So just know what you're dealing with. Very good weather of course for Rinko and Netblotch. And if it comes warm this week, the microclimates in these winter barleys could well see mildew start to run as well. Again, just know what's out there. Know your varieties, know your fields and just be prepared. Rust out there in Kingsbarn winter barley for several weeks now already. There is still spring barley, of course, to get in the ground. Spring beans to get in the ground. Sugar beet to get in the ground. Getting plenty late enough, I think, for spring beans. Once you get past the end of March, they never quite live up to expectations. Similarly, getting late for spring barley. Having said that, I have drilled spring barley as late as the 22nd of April, and it was just about acceptable. But once again, it's all about the soil conditions, soil structure, good seed beds. We see it every year. You know, when April drilled crops are emerging, March drilled are already at the three to four leaf stage. It is horses for courses, of course, and you know your farm better than I do. Still, Two or three weeks until the cuckoo sings, I suppose. But don't forget that the three main phases of growth for spring barley, canopy formation, canopy expansion and grain fill, all take between six and eight weeks to complete. So that's 18 to 24 weeks from emergence, four to five and a half months. So if you get the barley in on the 18th of April at best, it'll be ready on the 22nd of August, but it could easily be as late as the end of September, depending on the conditions. I'm just trying to manage people's expectations because of course, yields are going to be all over the place the later you drill as well. If you add to that, that if it's mauled in, it will never forgive you. Establishment can be as low as 65, 70% in a poor seed bed when it's late sown so for goodness sake tailor your seed rates to the conditions and remember they don't tiller particularly well when you put them in late either if we get a drought in may and june which let's face it is just as likely as a deluge in may and june you know well let's jump that bridge when we've crossed it as my dad used to say so just think about what you're doing that's all i'm saying seeing very high levels of chocolate spot as well in winter beans it's it's quite early to see it this bad but do check the labels of things like azoxystrobin tebuconazole they're probably the best bet at this point because all the labels aren't necessarily the same some of these materials can go on pre-flowering some can't just be careful some sugar beet also went in badly this week i have to say you know 25th of March I had some beet go in the ground that's up and through the ground at expanded cotyledon now but I still have around 80% of my sugar beet area to go in it's a late old do you know but late drilled sugar beet worries me far less than late drilled other things and the rape is in flower pretty widely across the county but as you drive about you can't help but notice plenty of crops which are absolutely stopped dead in their tracks as a result of the cabbage stem flea beetle it's going to be a heck of a ride this year but it's a better forecast the swallow are finally home and all must be just a little bit better with the world of farming for us so let's see what the next seven days bring thanks as ever sean we'll get this week's weather forecast check the markets and prices and who doesn't love a steak or a burger or a beef roast we take a look ahead to the great british beef week next the farming program with our equipped steel stockholders with Umbrook industrial estate grantham supplying the region for over 40 years 
Few amongst us doesn't love a good steak or a bit of roast beef on Sunday lunch, but there's an awful lot more that can be done with a good bit of British beef than that. Next week is Great British Beef Week. From Ladies in Beef, Millie Fives here to tell us more. Thank you, Steve. The campaign is in its 13th year um, and it kicks off on St George's Day, which is the 23rd of April. And really it's encouraging people to eat naturally delicious British beef, whether that be from a roast beef and then you can use the leftovers for a pie or a stir fry or in sandwiches. But also thinking about the other cuts as well, we appreciate that everyone's got different price points and uh, things like stewing beef, so you can make a stroganoff or a casserole or something like a mint, so you can have a bolognese or a chilli. And really the campaign is encouraging stakeholders like farmers, supermarkets, butchers, farm shops, pubs and restaurants get behind and promote British beef but also from a consumer's perspective to buy British and support these local businesses with eating British beef because it is such a wonderfully sustainable product. Beef cattle convert grass into protein and it is such a nutrient-dense product. It's full of zinc, it's full of iron, it's full of vitamin B12, omega-3, antioxidants. I could sing so much praise for British beef. It's it's absolutely wonderful. And obviously it tastes delicious, as you said. Absolutely. And let's just talk on that sustainability thing for a bit, because, of course, we see so many items in the press about things like methane and how bad cattle are for the environment. It's not really the case, though, is it? Well, no. Um, beef circular cows, they're great converters of grass and they're grazing outside for probably nine months of the year. In some setups, they can actually graze all year round, depending on what breed of cattle they are. And they're grazing very less favourable areas where you wouldn't be able to produce any other type of food. You know, you think of some of the sort of hills and moorlands, there's grass growing and there's cattle grazing those. Because actually what they're then ingesting, they're then producing muck, which is then providing nutrients for the soil and the soil is then um, converting into grass so there's sort of the bigger picture here um, and I always say that cattle are definitely the answer. It is a, a proper circular farming really isn't it let's face it and who's doing what in Great British Beef Week? Well farm shops where they're doing promotional items pubs and restaurants and obviously ladies in beef are obviously flying the flag for the campaign on social media sharing life on our farm inspiring people with recipes and ideas and there is a charity connection as well isn't there there is yes i think for the last 10 years great british beef week and ladies in beef have got behind the royal agricultural benevolent institution rabi which is farming's national charity and so there are a number of events happening around the country to obviously raise money for said farming charity and there is a website um, ladiesinbeef.org.uk where you can find out more information about the campaign all the events that are going on there's lots of recipe downloads and interactive fact sheets there's also a children's coloring in sheet as well where people can go on and download it and you know if they're in a, a restaurant pub environment or if they are doing educational work with children then that resource is there as well so there's there's something for everybody on the website and get involved and share your stories and share your photos yeah please do absolutely i hope you can get involved and enjoy some great british beef excellent well i wish you a very very successful campaign again and a great great british beef week millie thank you for that
Thank you, Steve. Take care. Thank you. That website again is ladiesinbeef.org.uk slash GBBW or search on social media for Great British Beef Week. Links FM Farming. Market reports. Starting with livestock and from Louth auctioneer Oliver Chapman. Morning, Oliver. Morning, Steve. Another weekly roundup from here at Louth. Firstly, for Monday the 10th of April, starting with the prime cattle with heifers to 279 pence per kilo or £1,698 and steers to 251 pence per kilo and £1,640, all from JS Brooks of Strubby. On to the cool cows with a tremendous trade leaving all in average of 205.65 pence per kilo to top for Stuart Renshaw of Tetford at 259 pence per kilo or top in the lump at £1,894.20 for JS Brooks of Strubby. On to the sheep, starting with the prime hogs, which see an SQQ of 272.65 pence per kilo, an all in average of 269.33 pence per kilo, with the vast majority of the sale out of spec and overweight. Top goes to Field Farming Company at £156 per head, with the pence per kilo topped by NA and AC Collishaw of Spalding at 317 pence per kilo. Onto the cool use, which sees 119 yarded, with an all in average of £122.12 to top for TR and J Fox, £185, with cool tops to £164 for NA and AC Collishaw. Finally, just onto the store sheep in the first real show of using lambs about, saw a top for TJ Baxter at £90 per life. Friday the 7th of April saw our first spring special show and sale, suckle calves and store cattle, kindly judged by Mr John Thurlby of Kexby and his stockman Gary who found their champion beast from Ryby Grange Farming Company, a single steer under 15 months which sold to a top of £1,670. Uh, the show was kindly sponsored by Norfolk Farm Vets Limited. The day's leading price goes to a Holstein steer from R.A.D. Unsworth of Saltfleet Buy at £1,700 per head, while the heifers top at £1,550 for GLNM Car, with bulls topping at £1,270 for M.F. Strawson. A wholesale average for Friday the 7th of April of £1,117.20 and that includes everything from six-month-old right up to 26-month-old cattle. So a tremendous trade across the board. Huge thank you to everyone that's been supported uh, over the last two sales. We're back on tomorrow with our weekly sale of prime and cool cattle and all classes of sheep with our next store sale on Friday the 21st with plenty of store cattle and breeding cattle already entered. So for entries of livestock or machinery or to discuss the marketing of anything, please do not hesitate to contact me. This is Oliver Chapman for Masons and Louth Market and thank you. Thanks, Oliver. And with a look at the grey markets and this week's prices, Open Fields Alice Killam. Morning, Alice. Good morning, Steve. This week has seen the London market under intense pressure as market spreads force values lower across both old and new crop. We are at an impasse where any emerging buyer will be placing their bid on May 23 with a colossal carry to the NOV 23 contract where the sellers reside at varying discounts. News earlier in the week around corridor stoppages seizing the movement of black seed grain seemed to have been resolved and did not yield any lasting effect. Despite Russian noise surrounding the outlook for the grain deal to be resigned, it is not positive given the lack of sanction removal could also be overlooked. This was the case initially and yet a deal was signed and extended. Across Europe, the lack of demand and increased carryouts in this week's USDA reflecting poor export inspections of late only add to downward pressure. No activity creates weaker values, especially where our domestic market is seeing little selling activity and long holders on the supply side, with a lack of interest and continued rolling of feed wheat on the consumer side. 
Add to the above, funds increasing their short position on CBOT by another 5,000 contracts post the USDA release. We are trading money flows and fund activity mixed with a period of diminishing demand. On a global level, the protests around the movement of Ukrainian grain into neighbouring countries and the weakening of those nations' wheat values would identify a surplus of grain available, given the lack of aforementioned demand. It's hard to see where the strength comes from an old crop in coming weeks, but what is a fair value for wheat in the current environment? The French Ministry of Agriculture surprised us by announcing this week that their spring barley plantings are down by 16%. The last forecast was for an increase of 5 Maybe like us, they did not have good planting conditions they were expecting. As in previous weeks, there is very little old crop multi-barley market and conversations around any old crop left on farm should really be wrapping up. It's been another volatile week for rapeseed with many factors driving the market. Refinitive Commodities Research have reported warm and wet weather to be keeping European rapeseed production afloat. 2023-24 EU rapeseed production estimates remain unchanged at 22 million metric tonne. However, they comment that more rainfall is needed to guarantee good crop development, especially in southern and southwestern Europe. Farmers in France, the EU's biggest crop producer, are expecting to sow more rapeseed for this year's harvest and cut back on sugar beet and spring barley. The French ministry explained how sowing choices favoured winter crops like soft wheat and rapeseed in view of the drought impact in 2022 and price levels. The total area of France's rapeseed crop is estimated at 1.34 million hectares, up 9.3% from last year. Crude oil prices have stabilised as the market weighs the prospect of tight supply against possible recession in the United States, the world's largest consumer. On Wednesday, Brent crude rose to its highest point in more than a month. All in all, a dreary report, I must admit, but to finish on a brighter note, I'm more positive when focusing on new crop. We still have plenty of time and who knows what's around the corner, whether that be politics or weather. Next week seems to be drier and sunnier, giving us a chance to catch up with land work. Some guide prices for this week. Feed wheat, May 180 to 185. June 185 to 190. September 190 to 195. And November 195 to 200. With milling wheat premium still holding at £65. Feed barley for this week. May 160 to 165. July 165 to 170. And finally, all seed rate is circa 360. That's all for another week. As usual, please call for firm values as the level of volatility seen is changing prices hourly. Have a great week. Thanks, Alice. The Farming Programme. Five-day forecast. It's looking drier, brighter and more settled this week under high pressure. Calm to start the week, just a bit of light rain but mostly dry under sunny skies with highs of 11 or 12 Celsius. Midweek sees the wind pick up to the mid-teens MPH from the northeast, still mostly dry but turning slightly cooler and the pressure drops back to normal by the end of the week and staying calm and mostly dry. That's it for this week. Back same time next week at Lynx FM on DAB Digital Radio or anytime you like on the free Lynx FM app, online, podcast or smart speaker. Just ask it to play the farming programme. I'm Steve Orchard. Until then, have a great week. The Farming Programme with Araquip Steel Stockholders with Embrook Industrial Estate Grantham. BSI ISO 9001 accredited.